and we're live. Hey guys, hey everyone. For those of you who don't know, my name is Russ, or Nachum Russell, but y'all can call me Russ since no one can say Nachum. And this is my friend Sabrina. Sabrina oh. owns Good Dogma Training in New Jersey. Which part of Jersey are you in? I am located in a town called Newfoundland, so we're like northern New Jersey, Passaic Morris border. It's like right there. Cool. So Sabrina and I first met, we met at a seminar that I think she was helping at originally. Yeah. Um, she was taking pictures for a Jeff Gauman seminar that I was, that was when I was still working at a facility and we had met over there. And yeah, that was a few years ago. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. That was right before I went to T3. And you convinced you, you basically were the one who like told me that it's a good idea to go to T3. I was like, yeah, yeah I was like unsure about it. And Sabrina let me know that it was actually a good idea to do. So that was really cool. Then we did T3 together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we did T3 yeah, well, together. And that was a lot of fun. So Sabrina owns Good Dogma. That's in Newfoundland, New Jersey. She's a dog trainer. And prior to that, she owned, what was the name of your grooming store? Hair of the Dog. Hair of the Dog. I love that. So she owned a grooming <laughs> store. So she has a background that's, you have a background that's very cool that like most dog yes. trainers don't know anything about really because the experience, my tiny bit of experience of like blowing dogs out, helping in the grooming department where I used to work. I know that like, there's a lot of experience you can get from that, that most trainers don't have and probably should have in terms of handling dogs. Yeah. There's just, it's funny because there was actually that, that moment that clicked with me where, especially when we talk about pressure, that we're putting on dogs, right? Because it's, I just feel like groomers just string dogs up and you're poking them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, when that clicked for me, that, that how dogs handle pressure and how you can make things go better for them, I was a real off moment. It was really, um, I think that's what kind of pushed me over into training full time. I think that our connection is messed up. Okay. Um, so how long have you actually been? Yeah. How long have you actually been training? Because I know, I know you, um, I guess. uh, Go ahead. I know you started off like originally just grooming, right? When you first got into this. Well, uh, no, I actually, I started out, um, pre-vet in college actually. So I have many years of, um, you know, undergrad work and also uh, veterinary technician work that I did for a while. So that also handling restraint, all that kind of stuff. Um, after that, I started a dog walking pet sitting business and realized I didn't want to go back to school <laughs> to be a dog. And so um, we wanted to add to this business. So we decided to add grooming into it. And so that's how I got into the whole grooming thing. And then the rest just kind of trailed off from there. I just had a, I, I was the person that everyone brought the, the blacklisted dogs, the dogs that were really aggressive for grooming. The one, you know, the ones that get kicked out of everywhere. Like I was the, the shop for those wayward dogs. And um, I had a good rapport with them and I just kind of needed to know more about why, you know, like the learning theory aspects of yeah. it, um, which I just loved. And I just became a huge behavior nerd and, we are. <laughs> why, why did you have that good touch with them? What was it that you were doing differently than a lot of groomers? I knew how to release pressure. Yeah, talk about that. Yeah. 
<laughs> what, in, in what sense? What does that mean? For people who don't know what pressure means, that well, sounds very foreign. Perfect, because I just received a message from someone today about how their dog has panic attacks at the vet or the groomer or wherever it is. Basically, um, and what I've personally seen, what I've been coached to do in a veterinary field, right? Pin the dog down, just hold it down, whatever you need to do, full body weight. Um, basically, over time, I'm realizing that there's no release of that pressure, right? So if you restrain a dog and the dog is calm and we keep holding on, right? that dog, it, it can initiate a fight response in the dog because they don't know how to get away from this pressure. They don't know how to alleviate that on themselves. So being able to work a dog through something that they're uncomfortable with, with this pressure and release, which is the same thing that we do when we're training dogs, um, that is what allows me to work with them in a fashion where they more readily accept things. So like a lot of things in an emergency situation, if you have to do like dogs that have talons or let's say a mm -hmm. dog pelted or anything like that, um, you got to get them through it. You know, I mean, it's an emergency situation. So that's kind of where um, that stuff all kind of stemmed from for me. So with pressure and release when you're working with grooming. So like when it comes to training, most a lot of people who are watching this and and for sure the trainers who might pop on over here watching it we understand like pressure and release in terms of let's say a collar and applying pressure releasing pressure and that whole idea what does that look like when it comes to grooming though are you like physically holding them and releasing pressure yeah, so it depends right i mean as it depends on where you are in the stages of what you're doing but anything that you're applying to the dog that i'm gonna say is uncomfortable that's pressure and so the dog tries to do things to alleviate that discomfort. And if you're not there listening to them, so it, take it to a dryer. Like there's so many times I just see groomers just take the dryer full force. I don't know if you're familiar with these things. Yeah. A lot. Well, yes, you are. You, you know how loud and crazy. Yeah. And groomers will just put the <laughs> full force on, go through the whole process and not let the dog either A, acclimate and get desensitized to this noise and the air and all that kind of stuff, or just move really slowly, slowly increasing this amount of stuff to, to make them more comfortable. So it's those kinds of things that um, that is, is that pressure, right? If you talk about more physical stuff, like I, I have a lot of videos of handling for nail trims, and I often talk about like squeezing dogs in like a football, you know? Mm -hmm. Them. And so if they start fighting against you, you just kind of give them a squeeze. And the second that they stop that um, fight, you relax. And then yeah. I'll take a breath and we start it again. But the dog realizes that when they relax, that the pressure stops. And that's what you want them to start to associate. So with puppies, I always do handling and restraint exercises where simply you're holding a puppy. If that puppy is squirming, you're not letting go. Right. So the second the puppy goes, okay, good. So that's what they start to learn that, oh, if I don't fight, things start to relax. But if they start fighting and you start fighting them more, it's a shit show. <laughs> so now is like a time when a lot of owners, obviously all grooming salons, probably for the most part across the country, as far as I know, unless someone's got an undercover thing going on, like everything is shut down. So people are stuck having to do things with their dogs that, Regularly, they would just pay somebody to do, right? So so how can somebody use these ideas of pressure and release when they're 
working at home. I know you have some videos on it. You put out some cool videos recently, even I was watching them. But like, how can how can this convert to somebody at home? We all have time now to put in with our dogs, but who has to cut their dog's hair? Who has to cut their dog's nails? What would that look like? Slow, small increments. <laughs> so um, the thing is, is that we can't, it's hard because I think uh, at least my experience, um, I found that people would just be like, deal with it, right. you know? It, it doesn't matter. I'm not the one fighting with my dog. You are. So unless you're someone that's been working on this already, you have to start in these baby, baby steps because especially someone that is not familiar using the tools. I mean, there's no way you're going to take a dog that's like fighting against you, uncomfortable, squirmy, and all of a sudden let's invite some scissors and clippers and, and all that kind of stuff in. Right. So what I would suggest is just really start to desensitize and condition your dog to either different tools or um, you know the touching of certain body parts or if you're going to start brushing just a couple a couple brush strokes here's a treat a couple brush strokes here's a treat i feel like people always just try to go for the whole like grand finale at once dog training too you know yeah. it's oh i want my dog to like recall off of like god knows yeah. what it's like but there's all these little steps that you have to take before you get there so i would just say, I mean, if you're really in a bind, hopefully, I mean, I don't know what mobile groomers are doing. Um, I have a really unique setup where I'm helping clients out because I just have an area to drop off dogs, take them in my house. So I'm able to help those people. That's awesome. um, but I would just start small and start with the areas where, um, where is your dog comfortable? Work off of that kind of handling. Um, I heard a really good uh, analogy, if you wanna like color code your dog to green, yellow, red, where the green areas are the places that are safe, the yellow areas are a little uncomfortable and the red areas are off limits. And you wanna start going down those areas and making them just kind of a better experience with your dog, no matter what that looks like. If your dog likes food, if your dog just likes to be massaged, if your dog likes to play ball, like whatever it is, just make this experience good in small, very very small stages yeah i feel like this is a great time for people to actually get to know a whole nother side of their dog because yeah. i'm sure there's so many people who have no idea that their dog is like um, nutcase their dog is chilled at home and all of a sudden like no let's bathe it because we can't go to the groomer for two months like let's bathe our dog and all of a sudden they see a nutcase of a dog it's like you get to know the other side of your dog that only your groomer deals with but they just tell you everything was great yeah well i was never that person yeah yes yeah it's like people don't realize that i I, again, I never was like official groomer but i used to go and when i used to work at the facility i used to go and help them if i wanted a break from dealing with like all the craziness on the other side i would go and just blow out some dogs that was my idea of a break yeah. but it's intense like it's a lot of work and it's backbreaking it hurt like it's oh, a lot. oh my russ i'm 40 and my back is like broken broken yeah i don't know how people do it like i Tip your groomers, peeps. That's yeah. the most important message for tonight. <laughs> because now that you're gonna now that you're gonna see what it's like to bathe your own dog and trim your own dog's yeah, nails and I know. basic things like eyes, like around the eyes, like you're gonna see what it's like. You'll yeah. appreciate them a lot more. Here, like Christine said, she misses she misses paying for her groomer. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know, I know. Christine was up here with her with her um oh my god, she's if she's watching right now, she's like, you know what it is, cupcake for her day. Yeah, he's huge. <laughs> Yes. And um, her too, like really bad with the nails and we worked her through it, got it done. And 
And it's just about taking those small steps to, to get it done. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's tough work. I, I, I can't say I miss it one bit. So, so I know that you are now obviously a balanced trainer, right? Which means you work with e-collars and prong collars and the full, the full spectrum of, of behavioral learning, not just half of it, but I know you weren't always on that side, right? I know that you have a background of being vehemently the other side. So, so what happened? I've been, I've been here and there and back into the middle. So yeah. I feel like it all. <laughs> what, what happened? Um, it doesn't work. One side doesn't work. I don't care what side you're on. It doesn't work. You have to learning theory. I think that that's the part that, that makes me um, so crazy when we talk about all this. And especially when you talk to different camps and they're like, you know, it's science-based, it's science, it's science. And I'm just like, well, science is this quadrant. <laughs> science is learning theory. And um, I think when I really was able to put down the Kool-Aid and think about this stuff rationally, logically, and without emotion, that's where it all started to make sense. And really just taking it factually for what it was. Like, if you need to stop something, you punish it, because by definition, right. It. If you need to get something to continue, you reinforce it because by definition, that's what it is. So when you look at it like that, there's no way to not be balanced. And then we all pick and choose kind of maybe our favorite techniques out of that stuff. Yeah. But being able to, I'll tell you, it doesn't, It just when you're in your groove, you meet that dog that like puts it all, it all It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so so how long, for those who don't know what we're, I want to just take a step back because yeah. I realized we jumped into something. But for those who don't know what we're talking about, so there's there's a couple, there's two major camps in the dog training world. Essentially, there's people who believe in a purely positive method. Some people call it force free. You'll hear a lot of different terms for it. Um, but essentially, where they only reward the good things and ignore the bad things. Um, and then there's what's called balance training, which is what I do and what Sabrina does, obviously each with our own little twist to it because we're two different trainers and different people, but where we use reward and we use punishment in order to reinforce the good behaviors, to stop the bad behaviors and give the dog a balanced understanding, hence the balanced training, so it knows exactly what it should and shouldn't do. Um, and Sabrina was one of those that started off as a purely positive trainer and then made that shift to training dogs with a balanced mindset and helping them truly understand what they should and shouldn't be doing. So how long were you training dogs as a purely positive trainer before like that light bulb went off that there has to be more? Um, how long? I mean, I, I, I'm going to say years. Um, I graduated from the Karen Pryor Academy. Mm -hmm. so I should show you the long list of, of, um, yeah, all the letters behind your name. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, going to see Victoria Stillwell and all that stuff. Um, anyway, so I I did it for a long time, and and I wouldn't regret it because I think anyone that goes into this industry or wants to specifically be a trainer, make sure your positive reinforcement game is on point. Like your yeah. your, your timing, your delivery, like all of that stuff. You know. Um, that just makes you better. And it makes you better to actually then in turn punish behaviors as well. Like your timing yeah. is just really important when you're a trainer in general. Um, but I, I mean, at that time, 
I did a lot of one-on-one -on -one sessions. I did, I did a lot of fostering. So I dealt with a lot of messed up dogs. Uh, and obviously those dogs with those extreme were the ones that I was trying to work with the most, you know, the ones that were living in my house. And there was just always this, this disconnect. There was always just something that it just didn't go the whole way or, um, or drugs. You, you, you invite drugs into the situation right. and we medicate the dog. And I remember for a while, I was also a trainer in a veterinary hospital where the clinic, the veterinarian would, would medicate the dogs and I would train them. So even that road I've been down. Um, working with behaviorists, all that vet behaviorists and all that kind of stuff. So you really start to see that there is a solid disconnect. There's something missing. You can only go so far. And when my own dog, because this is actually what caused the transition, my own dog um, became very, very reactive. We lived in a condo. Um, he started going after other dogs, kids. He bit our neighbor. He bit a fireman. He went after a woman in a wheelchair. He pulled against his front attaching harness so badly that he he caused it to like bust open. Right. Um, and I just I I I mean, it's not like what I was doing wasn't right. You know, as far as like the positive reinforcement, mm -hmm. it's not like I wasn't doing the right protocols. It's not like, but in a real world where I can't get distance from people because they're popping around corners all the time, there has to be something else. And that's when, that's actually what um, started my first um, uh, time at T3 because I needed someone to teach me how to use these tools. And yeah. really at the time was not anyone teaching specifically how to use punishment effectively and how to teach pressure and release and how to specifically use prongs and e-collars. So that's how I ended up going there. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of figured it out a little bit on my own after coming back from T3, I went full on with my dog who I've been working with for easily half a year, if not longer on this. Reactivity. Yeah. Django. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, like, I mean, weeks in a, in a couple weeks, it was done right? versus all of that time that I did like see a person click, get a treat. Like, you know, like all of that desensitization, the counter conditioning, calling him away, distracting him, all right. that. So it just, um, did you train a chicken when you worked with Karen Pryor? Did you train a chicken? I did. Yes. I, did. Did. I just recently heard somebody discussing that. Um, I think it was An Angie, you know, Angie, Angie says. Jebel dog. Yeah. So I, he was doing a live with Monique mm -hmm. um, and they were discussing training a chicken also from Karen Pryor school. Yeah. I think it's really cool. It's something I want to do that. I want to get myself a chicken and clicker train it. Cause I think if you could clicker train like a bird brain, then you could tra train anything like that's, that's the thing. Like all the work that I've done with different species, like, and I think that that's also the part that kind of kills me about this stuff is where people are like, Oh, well you can train all these other animals using positive reinforcement, but it's a very, it's a very, um, controlled environment, mm -hmm. very controlled setting, you know, like a lot of these things take place in zoos, things like that. But when you're dealing with people who actually own horses, who actually own camels, let's say, or anything like that, they're using pressure and release. They're using spatial pressure, physical pressure through the tools that they're using. They're using positive reinforcement. That's what real life is all about, is about yeah. consequences. But being able to 
take these other species. Again, it's all about, it's a great experience. And um, I know talking to Megan too, I mean, yeah. in the zoos, um, all of that stuff really makes you, I think, hone in on the animal's learning experience and like what you need to alter in order to get that animal to like influence them to do what you want. So when you're dealing like, you know, when you're dealing with bison or, um, I mean, I went, one of the coolest things I did was go to a wolf sanctuary and help train the wolves to station for the people that work there. So they could like give medication or get, you know, whatever they needed to do. Um, you're not going to kind of argue with these animals. <laughs> Right. Good luck. Good luck fighting with a wolf. It's not going to work. But in real life, these wolves would have consequences. Like everyone has consequences to their behavior, right. good or bad. I and think, so, I think a big difference between so like people always bring up that thing. Well, dolphins are trained with clickers, clickers, or like zoo animals, circus animals. They're all trained with just purely positive. But the thing is that. You never have to take your dolphin for a walk down mod down like a Manhattan street. You okay. never have to go to the city with your dolphin. He stays in his little crate, his whatever it is, like his enclosure. He comes out for his show and he goes back in. Like that's his life. Yeah. Right. And he's trained in this small space where he sees the same exact thing every single day. Yeah. But with dogs, like as dog owners, we want our dogs to be part of our lives. I know the average dog owner that I speak to wants their dog to be part of their life. They don't want it to live in like some tiny space they want their dog to go with them places to be around their friends to be around family and with that there's so many variables that are constantly going to change that if you don't have a way to really hold the dog accountable and like get their attention and ensure that they listen no matter what then good luck with that you, he's going to be stuck in a small and like i think a lot of i've never trained purely positive i was never in that side i know i kind of skipped that step in my journey but I, the the dogs that I've worked with who've gone through purely positive trainers, some of them good purely positive trainers, um, what I think is missing is that a lot of these dogs behave very well at home. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because they're trained with purely positive training, it can work very well in a sterile, quiet environment where it's just mom and dad and, and one brother and it's the same thing every single day. But then the second that door opens, that's when the reactivity comes out. That's when a whole other dog comes out because like, the whole world rushes at them. There's all this stimulus and they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Well, and I think too, you have, you have certain breeds of dogs that are, you know, I mean, I think that's part of it too. Like when you have a certain breed and you use it for what it's for, all of these other issues tend to not be there. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you're like herding with your border collie, you don't have one that's necessarily reactive on leash. But what happens is we get border collies and they're house pets mm -hmm. and they them outside and they're like well i'm gonna go hurt like the neighborhood kids and like they become reactive so just all of that stuff being said there's there's so many different components basically to anything um but i think i mean even when you talk about um this was this was one of those moments where i was like oh yeah this like one of those light bulb moments um they train so in new jersey we have um the seeing eye here for mm -hmm. uh, for uh, dogs for the blind and that was a big thing for me too it's like okay so we teach obviously we teach all of these things using positive reinforcement we're teaching the dog what to do and then and i think maybe it was with jeff gelman i'm not sure I, I, we were having a conversation i think we, maybe we were all having that conversation at that workshop but it's like so what do you do when the dog like keeps turning on and off the light 
right? What do you do when the dog keeps going to the refrigerator to get you something, like whatever it is, but what if they keep cycling through these behaviors because they, they, they're seeking that reinforcement? Right, it gets reward. Exactly. So at some point, punishment has to come in there, even if, even if it's just through a matter of, um, you know, like somehow removing the reinforcement for that behavior, but still, I mean, yeah, I think that, uh, <clears throat> like there's a big draw. Obviously we know this is this massive draw for dog owners to towards purely positive, especially first time dog owners, um, who've never like really dealt with anything because it sounds and feels nice. Right. And it's very emotionally based. I, I think that a big part of what scares people away from balance training or any training that includes some sort of consequence is the word punishment. Punishment sounds so scary. It's gotten this like scary vibe to it. And what people I think are missing is understanding that just like how reward is really nothing special. It's just communicating that that thing was good. Mm -hmm. Punishment is really just communication and reward is also just communication. But we think of reward as this highly like emotionally driven thing that's like filled with like excitement and emotion and all of this. And we think of punishment as the same thing that it's filled with like all this negative emotion and this bad stuff attached to it. And it's like, must be that you're just beating your dog. So it turns people off when really anyone who under would like dig a little bit deeper would see that it's all just communication, reward, yeah. punishment. Like it's all just about clearly communicating with a dog. I think that's like, I think that's the part that's missing from the people. A lot of dog owners don't understand. And I guess us dog trainers need to portray yeah, need to talk about it more is that like it's all communication dog training is just communication whether you're using a reward or a punishment neither of it is nicer or meaner than the other it's just what needs to be communicated right then mm -hmm. yeah i mean i feel like it's a really tough road for um dog owners to navigate because there's so much information and like extreme information like i mean i've worked with people where you know they've left a trainer um, or a facility and they're like, well, they said never to say no. I can't ever say no to my dog. It'll ruin my relationship. And trust yep. me, I feel that way too once. I was like, no, you can't say no. Who says no? Um, so I I, under, I understand, like, I again, I feel like everyone's just trying to do the best that they can do with the information that they have. But I mean, it's it's just, I feel like it's, I, I feel like it's a very hard road to navigate. Um, this is why I like the aspect of social media being here where we can discuss this stuff. People can see the way people train. People can see results, yeah. testimonials, these kinds of things. Like know that this stuff is not made up or that these results are not made up and see if that's the type of person that you want to work with, you know, because I mean, it comes down to that too. Anyone worth their weight in salt. Um, you know, can alter these behaviors through a number of different avenues, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, yeah now is, such a now different- is like the best time and the worst time to be a dog owner. Yeah. You can get so much information, but there's also too much information. And it's like, I don't envy like first time dog owners or any dog owner for that matter right now who doesn't have like some set information yeah. already because you go online and you're just looking for simple answers to help yourself, help your dog. And all of a sudden you're like so overwhelmed with like this one and this one, and it's all saying different things and they're all contradicting each other. And it's like, I just want my dog to listen and I don't want it to hate me. 
Yeah. It's so confusing. I, okay, so there's a couple dogs I have, and I'll tell you about one of them. But there's a couple dogs I have in in my lifetime where this is th these dogs helped push me mm -hmm. to that other dimension, and and just also just start just research everything, accept everything, you know, just really see what you can learn. But I had one specifically that had such great anxiety that she broke her teeth off right. the crate. I would come home, there would be like blood and spit and it, it was a mess. Um, we couldn't leave her loose because she would eat stuff and also try to fight with my dog. Um, they drugged this dog, the rescue that I was with. There was so, The dog was on so much medication. Like I, I don't even know how it was standing. So that obviously wasn't helping either. Right. And I just remember being like, man, I really wish I knew how to use an e-collar because I've seen this stuff, I've seen some like success stories, and I can tell you, I was so terrified to break my dog or my foster dog um, using these methods because that's what I've heard up until that point. Yeah. And I mean, fortunately, everything worked out with that dog, and she got a home, and we figured it out without the e collar. But I can tell you that if I had that tool and that knowledge, that would just been another thing that we could have tried. That wasn't an option it wasn't you know like it, and no one was there to tell you how to do it um, i totally get that idea of not wanting to break your dog like it's so understandable we all like every single dog owner out there just wants to have a good loving fun relationship with their dog mm -hmm. and it's a terrifying thought to think that like if you mess something up that your dog is just it's just screwed and then that's it like nobody wants that that's horrible and it and it's even like the the slight thought of that that people get from reading blogs or hearing things, whatever, like that in itself is enough to scare people off from it because it's like if it's even slightly possible, then like I'm just gonna stay away from it altogether. Yeah. It's scary. Oh, absolutely. And that's I feel like that's what they constantly say that that that's what's gonna happen. And it yeah, you just feel a tremendous amount of guilt. Um so yeah, yeah I've I've def I feel like I've been all over the map as far as um hold on sean's walking in <laughs> he has to completely get rid of um all of his clothing when he goes out because of uh the coronavirus so he's an essential worker and yeah, uh, yeah crazy time anyway yeah. i don't want to catch him on camera as he's walking through half naked um <laughs> so um what were we saying before my half naked boyfriend just walked through <laughs> that um owners owners struggle with the idea of like i might mess my dog up right now and like that's very scary so i feel like i've been on all sides of that coin like being being a that owner being that trainer god forbid giving the wrong information um yeah it's it, it's very it's it's a lot it's a lot of weight to take on it's a lot of responsibility oh god and then like when your dog too when you're working them and they give you that like that teenage angst or they're like, yeah, really? Like, do we have to? You know what I mean? Why did I break you? <laughs> yeah, well, like, I was not working, realizing it's a. I was working with a dog today. Like, I met them up with the park. Don't worry, everybody was safe. We kept social distance, but I met up with them at the park, and I was just simply introducing the dog to a prong collar. But you know, it's obviously mm -hmm. like my luck that when I introduce this dog to a prong collar, that I have to be doing it with the owners there. That he's gonna have an absolute temper tantrum right and it's a shit show it's like a middle of the street and it's like there's a skate park there and everybody's watching like this 
guy with a dog training sweatshirt on. Yeah, like yeah. torturing this poor little dog. And yeah. like, I understand for somebody who doesn't get it, like why that would look horrible. Like when a dog is like laying on the floor, flailing its arms on its back, like screaming and yelling. Like I know he's having a temper tantrum, but to like the family and to people watching, like it could easily look like, I'm ruining my dog. Why would I want to do this? Oh, you know, totally understandable. So I live in this really cool little like cul-de-sac. Like we live in our like it's like a one-way in, but it's like a couple circles. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so you see the the same neighbors walking around, and I've had dogs where on day one the neighbors are walking by me, and it looks like I'm having an exorcism, right? Like yeah. I mean, and it doesn't. I don't care about a prong collar or anything. Talk just like a, a collar and a leash. The dog's like. Yeah. I'm not going to go with you. And it's like fighting. And then a couple days later, they're like, damn, girls walking right next to you, you know? And it's like, well, yeah, you had to get them through this moment of you saying, no, you can't right. go that way. You have to come this way. And it's no different than that conversation with a child. It's not, and I don't want to, I don't want, I hate comparing dogs and children, but they are so similar when you have them at the right age. It's so primal where they're like, no, I don't want to go that way, but you have to. You know, and yeah. through can be a little messy, but if you do it in a way that's fair and, and we're teaching them through this moment, I mean, the same thing again, like with grooming, it's like, just go slow, teach them like, okay, freaking out is not going to get you out of this. Calm down, come forward, you know, and that's what we do. But yes, yeah, sometimes it can look super messy. The, <clears throat> the reality is like, I like, like you said for a second that like, you don't like comparing dogs to children, but it works so well. Yeah. So for a while, I tried really hard to never compare dogs to children or to humans at all because like we shouldn't be humanizing them and all this stuff. But then it clicked in my head. It's not really comparing necessarily dogs to humans. This is the reality of how we all exist. We all learn. We all work the same way. Like when you start a new job, there is a messy middle where you feel like that awkward new employee. Yes, yeah. You don't want to go because no one likes you because you're that new guy on the shift. Like where you just like don't know if you even belong there. And then as you work through that, then eventually you get really comfortable and you might actually become the manager. Right. Oh. But if you quit during that messy middle, during that first period when it sucks because you're that awkward position, good luck getting a job anywhere, yep. right? Like it's not going to work. So we all go through that in different stages of our life. And like everything new is stressful and everything that we're talking about with dogs exists in a human sense. It's all the same. Like we're, we're animals. It all works the same way. And I think that, it's good to compare it in a sense, as long as you do it properly, obviously, but it's yeah. good to compare it because it hits home in a real way. Like, oh, you wouldn't put that on your dog? Okay, you also wouldn't let your toddler bite you, right? Yeah. Like, it goes both ways. <laughs> right? So I think it's, it's and, and naturally, everything in the world we're going to humanize because we have to relate it to ourselves. So we might as well do it and make it work, like humanize right. it and make it work. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I, I'm big on, I, like, I pull out the primal aspects of children. I think that's what, when if people that have children, yeah. um, that they can identify with that the most, that it's, um, they just, they have these wants and needs and they're based in a very primal um, aspect, not one where they're like, like, I just, I feel like so many people think dogs have spite or they're doing things intentionally or, and it's like, no, they don't have that forethought. They don't have that wherewithal. It's just- right. A happens, so I'm going to do behavior. And then C happens, which is the consequence. Like, it's just this ongoing pattern of stuff. And their emotions lie strictly in a primal sense of, like, I need that resource or I need this consequence or whatever it is. Um, but it's just all instinctual. 
we give so much like um we give we give so much credit to our dogs like that they're these little genius animals with high levels of emotional intelligence and like and yes of course they're emotional we all have this emotional connection with our dogs and we know that they feel it like as a dog owner like i get it right and i i believe in it at the same time like i know my dogs love me i don't care what anyone says but I also know that there's a lot of instinct involved in that relationship with them. They also know that I provide their food. They also know that like I'm their everything and everything good in their life comes from me. So of course they want to be around me. And to me that comes out as love because I'm a human. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to conflate that where it's like, it's like everything about them is just this high level of emotional intelligence. It's very easy to fall into that by the way that we build these bonds with them. That's like, no, like you could have other animals, but everybody knows the bond with a dog. There's just something to it. Yeah. Right. It's something special. And that in itself is enough to confuse us as humans and be like, okay, they must have this high level of emotional intelligence. And like, they must think about things. And like he bit his brother because that one had a bone and it's like, no, they're dogs. He wanted that bone and that's it. And it boils down to instinct. No. And I think that that's such an important thing that you just touched on because what you're doing to create that bond, right, is based on a give and take. You do this for me, I'm gonna give this to you, right? This right. is how you control them. And that's basically what dog training is. It's mind games, right? But you're right. doing it in a benevolent way of like, I have this, you want it, you do that. There you go, great, right? right? I, I, I always say like to, to parents where it's like when your kids started driving the car, you weren't like, here you go, here's the keys to my Mercedes, you know? Right. No, that's not what happened. It was like they learned there were a lot of rules around them using this resource. Um, other things had to be done before they even got into the car, right? Did you do your homework? Did you clean your room? Did you do your chores? So that's all very well and understood. But with our dogs, we A, give them stuff for nothing, right? We're like, oh, you're cute. Here's a cookie, you yeah. know, or allow them to manipulate us to give them resources they're really good at that yeah and they're playing the same game that we're trying to play with them exactly right? they're on they're yeah. on the end of it right but that's how i mean that's how quick again good and bad behaviors that's how quick that they get learned because if if you're allowing your dog to literally manipulate you into giving them resources under behaviors that you don't like that's what they're going to keep doing because that's what gets that to happen, you know? Like, I jump up on the counter, oh, I get a piece of food, great. So what's gonna, your dog's gonna keep jumping on the yeah. counter get that, as opposed to sit on place or sit down nicely or lay down, then you get the food, you know? It's like, we just gotta change that conversation. We learned, like, we could learn dog training from dogs, everything oh. about it. You That's wanna know, like, <clears throat> how does a dog get his treat? He comes over to you, he does that really cute thing that he always does, and then you give him a treat. And he does it again, and he does it again, and he does it again. That's dog training, guys. Like, he is teaching you how to train him, right? And then on the other end of it, it's like he doesn't want you in his space, so he growls at you and you walk away. He's teaching you how it works. He's essentially telling you, like, yeah. I'll reward you when, like, when I, I'll reward you with this cute face, basically, is what he's doing, right? And I'll punish you with this growl, yep. right? And it works really well. You have to just play the same game that they naturally play back on them just make sure that we have the higher hand of it and that we're the one in charge of the game really that's essentially dog training yeah that's it i mean just think of all the things that that people have as resources that they just squander on things that don't matter you know i mean my favorite thing is like 
well, you know, if I shake the cookie thing, the dog comes in from outside and that's, you know, and, and I can get him in that way. I'm like, well, great. That's your recall. Right. Like right. I don't care if you said come or shake something like that noise caused your dog to come to you. Like it was trained. You've you trained your dog. Yeah. I'm like, you could have replaced it with any word or noise you wanted to. But like, I think that's what people don't understand what they're doing. Um, again, that noise is just treats coming. Yeah. Something good's coming. So if you just exchange that with a word and the treat, it's the same thing, you know? Yeah. But yeah, this happens and this happens. We all we all have trained dogs. Every dog that comes to us for training is already trained. Right. right? And it's just like, let's retrain it because you've already trained it, but you don't like the training that you've done and you don't even realize that you've done it. Yeah. So like you're coming for retraining. We're not we're not trainers. The yeah. owners already trained it. We're just retraining what you already trained in a way that you don't like. Yeah. And it's such an important thing that almost every dog owner, unless they're like one of these dog geeks or dog nerds, like that they don't get is that training really like you could have an amazingly behaved dog without any obedience commands. Oh, for sure. Right? All yeah. of the important stuff of training doesn't happen during training. What happens during living, right? I, I can tell you, like Tallulah. So I'm taking Tallulah through the stay and learn program that we have. That's our board and train. Yeah, that's cool. I saw that. She's like one of those dogs too. Like she's she's not really trained. She just lives, and I'm like, all right, cool. Like you know, she follows me around. She does what I ask her to do. Yeah. She's super super motivated by positive reinforcement. So like that's I mean, food. She's like, what do you want me to do? Um, but yeah, I mean, that's like one of those things where I'm like, she, you know, Django's really trained well because he kind of has to be just because mm -hmm. he's a jerk. Um, but she's just, yeah, she just kind of. That's my mama bear, my pit. Yeah. Like I never trained her. She's, she's not trained. Like yeah. she just is a great dog. She just chills, you know, and like life with her is just great. Yeah. So like I never had a reason to be like, place for an hour or two like yeah. sit like it didn't really matter like she knows how to sit she knows how to go to place but like i don't care if she gets up and walks away because all she's doing is getting up walking away and laying down another corner to go to sleep right i recently started to introduce her to the e-collar um but solely for recall like, she, yeah, that's pretty much what i'm like at the end of the day i'm like that's all i need is recall, yeah or i don't care but does she give you that face like oh really man <laughs> she loves it she, she loves it. She's just so excited to be doing something with me. <laughs> outside from like recall outside, she's like, oh, come on, really? Like, you know, so, so mama bear is like, she's like anything that I'm, that she's doing with me. It's great. It doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> like, I could be cutting her nails. Her tail is wagging. Yeah. She doesn't like it, but she's doing it with me. Like if someone else were doing it, she'd be annoyed. It's just like, I'm her reward. She just loves doing things with me. It's really awesome. So that's cool. And I'm just teaching her recall like with the e-collar now just because I want to give her that off-leash time. I think she deserves it. And like, yeah. It. But so I'm curious, now you've been, you've kind of merged from the grooming world and like full-time into training now, right? So like your life is, you're you're a full-time dog trainer, not dog groomer anymore, even though you do grooming occasionally. So like what, what's yeah, been your favorite? A lot of people right now with just whatever they need, but yeah. What's been your favorite part of being a dog trainer? Like, what do you love so much about this? I, I just always go back to why I even, I mean, I, my whole life I've just worked with dogs, like from when I was a teenager on in some capacity. Um, I just, I really enjoy 
bridging that communication gap that people have with their dogs and giving them a language to share and going from like, oh my God, I'm going to kill this animal to he's my best friend and we're hiking off leaves, you know? So I think being able to give people the, this freedom to enjoy their dogs, their dogs to enjoy the freedom that they have because now they have, <coughs> they they listen to, to commands and things like that. Um, that's really what I like. And also just like, you could see it in the dogs, like just the, the stress, the all that stuff that kind of goes away and you're left with this, you know, with this balanced animal at the end of it. That's like, I just, I just needed someone to teach me how to talk English basically, yeah. you know? It's a very rewarding feeling. Like yeah. I think that, that people have asked me like, what's my favorite part of what I do? And obviously I love working with the dogs. Like yeah. I wouldn't do it if I didn't. That's a given. I feel like for every dog trainer, you're not going to find a dog trainer that hates dogs. Right. But <laughs> I think, but I think that my favorite part, what? It's the liking people part. Yeah. Get on board with. I think like the more that I work with dogs and with dog owners, my favorite part is seeing that, like what you were saying, seeing that click, right? Mm -hmm. When things click between the dog and the owner, it's like, it's like you're working some sort of magic for them, even though yeah. we know it's not magic. And I hate using that term for this because people always say that. I mean, but, that's how you look at it. You're an interpreter. Yeah. There, the, gap. the canine language for these people and give them the ability to to speak that way. And I think that's the biggest problem is that people like, I mean, how many times have you been on the phone with someone and it's like, my dog won't come. Well, how'd you teach it? Well, I just, I just told them to come. Right. They don't speak English. Like they don't, like verbal anything is not their language. Their language is body language. And we need to learn that to help them learn English. And then you can start having a conversation. Yeah. I think that that's, I mean, people just, these animals come pre-programmed and, um, Right, and my German Shepherd speaks German, and my French Bulldog speaks French. Like, what oh, makes you think? Speaking Spanish when she came here. <laughs> <laughs> like, what it makes people think like that because your dog is born in America, it understands English, right? Like, I know. Someone's actually said that to me too. Dogs that they've pulled up from the Caribbean or things like that, or where they speak different languages, and they're just like, maybe it's, but maybe it is. Maybe the dog was taught in Spanish, but yeah. still, at the end of the day, it doesn't mean anything even their name doesn't mean anything it's just an association with something right. people are afraid to change the dog's name when they get them in their homes i'm like oh my god change it the last owner was probably just yelling the name and like having a lot of negative association yeah. like well, change it start your foot i think it's a great idea if you get a dog from somebody else change its name <laughs> that's what i think when i got my dog when i got my hendrix he's my golden retriever um so his name was Cody. And I was like, there is no way that I'm owning a Cody. No disrespect to anyone who has a Cody, but I just hate that name. Trust me, I have my list too. Toby on that. Yes, I hate Toby's. I worked with a Toby that I couldn't stand. But so it's like, to me, Cody, okay, this is going to sound not nice to some people maybe, but whatever. Cody sounds like like a college frat boy. Like. Right and like, yeah, yeah. get what you name. I'm telling you, everyone should just go and name their dog "Good Dog." You get <laughs> the name. Yep. And yes. like, they're always bad, right? Like, let's name them after a serial Which killer. One? <laughs> Which one did he say? Dexter. Yes, Dexters are horrible. Right. It's true. 
It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. I used to know a dog named Squeaky and she didn't shut up. I was like, well, you did it to yourselves. Why <laughs> I named their dog Mischief. And I'm like, you are in a world of her. Like, like, what are you doing? You're doing it to yourself. <laughs> Hendrix. So, so everyone's like, you can't change his name. And my friend was like, it's so mean to change his name. That's who he is. And I was like, no, he's not. He's a dog. Like he's not, he's not a Hendrix. He's not a Cody. He's just, he's just a dog. Yeah. Right. So, so I decided it's like, now I have to change his name because now it's like a challenge because everyone's telling me I can't. Right. So when I chose his name, <laughs> yeah. So when I chose his name, this, this is what I did. And I think it's very cool because I was just had a FaceTime with an owner yesterday talking about teaching a dog his name. So I, I sat outside with him on a Saturday afternoon. I had a bag of chicken and I simply said, Hendrix, and I'd wait for him to look at me. As soon as he looked at me, I said, good. And I gave him some chicken. Yep. And then we continued chilling. And I just let him be on the leash. Guys, go place. And I let him just be on the end of his leash. And again, did it again, over and over. For Just sat there. It was a nice, sun, like, nice sunny day. Just sat there the whole afternoon doing that. Since then, never called him Cody again. He's been Hendrix since then, and it works. It's that simple. It is. It's that simple. Yep. Like change your name, guys. Change your dog's name if you got it from someone else. Start fresh. Yeah, every time you call me something different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just start fresh. Yeah. So, like, do you see yourself doing anything else if you weren't training dogs? Or it's just this is it? Yeah. You know, I I cycle. I, like, I, I feel like I have this, like, eight to ten year itch where I'm like, okay, so now, like, how can we, like, make this a little bit different? So I'm sure this will evolve into into something else as well um but i just I, I don't know there's something i blame my mom actually for giving away my dog in second grade but <laughs> <laughs> if anyone wonders um but i just i i can't imagine just not working with dogs it's i don't know it's just such a it's such a natural a natural thing you know not that you need not that we're born with this talent or anything like that but i i've definitely always just been very geared towards animals i mean i was like the girl in college that like picked up the hurt pigeon on her way home or like you know here's a litter of pigeons or like just whatever um so i think the animal thing has just always been my my passion um but dogs are just so freaking cool like they they just they really really are they're really really cool um animals so whatever it is i'm sure it will you know incorporate all that in some sense of the imagination but that's cool and do you miss grooming no no, <laughs> no. so i know you've done some, i know you've done some some great videos recently on it and we kind of started on this discussion but this is a topic that like i think it's come up a bunch with a couple pe different people so, so like because of everybody being stuck at home and having to deal with their dogs. So a couple of questions that came to me recently that I'm sure other people are curious about. If, if somebody wants to bathe their dog and doesn't have any dog shampoo in the house because they're not a dog groomer, then what, what would be the next best option for them? Okay, so the thing between human products and dog products is basically the pH levels. The pH levels of our skin and a dog's skin is different. Um, so that being said, for long-term use, get something appropriate for your dog's skin. And again, every dog, some dogs are drier, some are oilier, oilier some get itchy easily. Um, but if you don't have anything and you're in a pinch, 
You can totally use your products. Just like make sure that they're the, the mildest thing in your house, right? So I don't I'm going to like age myself. There used to be this shampoo called Prell and it would literally like strip the oils out of your hair, right? Till it was like dry. Don't mm -hmm. <laughs> use like use something like um baby shampoo which actually isn't the best but um you know the ph levels are a little bit different um baby shampoo or if you have like a non-sulfate shampoo so you know something along those lines dawn you can use in a pinch um if you are going to use any of those products make sure to use a conditioner afterwards because that will help with any potential itching but for can most conditioner what's that can we use human conditioner I mean, you can, you can use all those, those things. The only, the only side effect would be is if your dog either had an allergy to something in the product or if the products um, made their skin dry out too much. Right. Um, but that goes the same thing with, with dog shampoos. I mean, I've used in my salon, I mean, it doesn't happen often, but my standard shampoo that I would use certain, certain dogs got very, very itchy and dry off of it. So again, like that's just going to be a, as per, dog basis, but in a pinch, totally used like my, you know, whatever shampoo that I have and conditioner that I have in the-, in the Yeah, I've had a couple of people reach out to me about that. And I was like, I honestly don't know. Like I've never had that situation. I yeah. always have like massive tubs of shampoo for my dogs, yeah. but like, it, it's a good question. And I'm sure so many people are like concerned about now with no groomers and hard to get anything with the stores closed. Yeah. Now I have another question, like a grooming question. Sorry, but I'm going to get you on these grooming tips. So <laughs> I, I'm happy to answer. Cause I, I also, I understand like how hard it is for people. And I'm like, well, I have this information and a lot of it has to do with training anyway, like getting your yeah. dog better about these things. So let's put it out there. Let's help people. So hot spots. Let's talk about hot spots. Oh, because okay. I've I've struggled with because I have a golden retriever and anyone who has goldens knows like yeah. yeah um and I never knew that this was such a bad problem until I got a golden retriever and like I was like oh my god this is crazy do I want him he has hot spots every other day but how do you prevent them how do they happen what can people do to help if it does happen like what is what are hot spots let's start with that okay yep that's exactly where I was going to start so a hot spot is basically like a blanket term for any area on um, your dog's body that is like a rash or an irritation or um, a full-on infection, anything like that. But it, it, it basically is where your dog keeps going to this area, right? And that happens in a couple different ways. Either your dog is matted or has a lot of undercoat. And so what happens is that when we bathe the dog or the dog gets wet, he goes swimming. And so this is why it happens with goldens a lot, right? Because people swim with their goldens yeah. um, and then they don't get completely dried. And so if the undercoat is not efficiently pulled out of the dog's hair, like through regular grooming, oxygen can't get through there. Same thing with mats, oxygen can't get underneath this hair. So the moisture and product just builds underneath there and then it gets itchy, right? So you have all the crap that's underneath it and that can either turn into a bacterial infection itself or your dog starts scratching or chewing and so now they're inviting bacteria into the situation. Right. So they just kind of exasperate the, the, the area and then it can turn into like a full-blown infection. So that's kind of the ways that that stuff tends to happen. That <laughs> also a big thing as well um but that 
tends to be where like the your dog's diet is affecting their skin in general. So they're generally itchy right. and like chewing and scratching and again, just adding bacteria to open wounds and then it just festers. So would you say the best way to prevent it is mainly by drying your dog properly and brushing them out? Yeah, so regular groomings, like just basically if you can, I always say if you can take a comb, like a, a steel comb or just a, you know, a comb with teeth, mm -hmm. anything crazy or fancy, and get it all the way through your dog's coat, you're in good shape. So that means like there's air getting through there. So if you regularly groom your dog, if you have a dog with hair, either keeping them brushed at home and bathed and mat free or keeping their coats short and trimmed, dogs like Hendrix that have that double coat, making sure that like, I would say minimum every quarter, if not every couple months to just get them in the groomer and stay ahead of those shed cycles. So the air has a That's chance true. to go through there. And then it's not, it's not such a, such a big deal. Yeah. Like they're like all heavily matted and now they're getting wet and now you have to dry right. them. A lot of those dogs, you can just air dry at that point. But if they do have all this underneath stuff going on, that's what you have to rush through and get out and all that stuff. Yeah, so yeah just go see your groomer regularly, really, for good skin and coat maintenance. And that will help stop that stuff. So something that I learned the hard way about <clears throat> hot spots and swimming and all this stuff that we're discussing is for anybody who's using e-collars, especially if it's an e-collar, if you have a long-haired dog and you're probably using the winged ones, mm -hmm. right? Make sure that if your dog goes swimming or even if he's out in the rain or anything, that as soon as you come back in or out of the wet, you take it off and you dry the e-collar and the spot over there well. Yeah. A sure, quick way to get hot spot or abrasion or whatever you want to call it from the e-collar on that soft, wet skin. Right. And what happens too, it's like you see it often. So there's dogs that have like a lot of folds here. Mm -hmm. and when people leave those collars on, now this fold closes. And again, there's no air that can get in there. So yeah. it always turns into a mess. So anything collars, anything that you have on your dog's body that is staying there, that's what prevents oxygen from getting underneath. And so then you have you know, again, either an issue with the metal on the e-collars creating something or the pressure from the collar or the contact points. So yeah, all those things, um, you just, yeah, make sure you dry it off and clean out the area and all that kind of stuff. It's no different than us. Like if you wear a ring all the time, yep. like it's the same thing. If you wear your ring all the time and you're, you have your hands in water and all that kind of stuff underneath your finger, underneath that ring, like you're going to get irritation on your skin. So take your dog's jewelry off once in a while. Absolutely. So it's cool. Like I never, when I used to like work with like the grooming a little bit mm -hmm. and like, it'd be like, this dog has a hot spot. I never got it. And I never understood like how, and then when I got Hendrix and I remember like, it, he must've come with a tiny hot spot on his back and I didn't know about it even then. And within like a month or two after having him, his entire back was like horrible we had to shave him all down and go to the vet at that point you needed antibiotics like it was a mess yeah and that was like oh my god like i never thought i'd have to i was so upset i never thought i'd have to deal with this like i'm like i have short hair dogs and it's great and i don't have to deal with this nonsense and like i got this guy but now it's like I've, I've learned some tips from it but i think it's something that a lot of people don't know necessarily how to deal with it and then it just slaps them in the face and all of a sudden the dog has this big bruise or they think that the e-collar is actually causing that when it's like you could prevent it hendrix go place i wasn't talking to you yeah. <laughs> he's like i heard his name what are you yeah, talking about? he heard his name from all my perfectly trained dogs as soon as they hear their name they come check what's going on
in the other room, no doubt that they would be like barking their heads off right now. They would be like, what, what are you doing? Yeah, I love I love how much people think our dogs are perfect. Like, and I'm saying our because I'm speaking for every trainer. Because if you're one of those trainers that acts like your dogs are perfect, like, okay, <laughs> no bullshitting. Like, leave a camera on your house so we can see what they do. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my entire neighborhood is like, oh god, Tallulah's out barking again. Yeah. So what's between like you've been working with dogs and dog owners for a long time, right? And now like you've you're full on dog trainer. What's one thing that you wish every dog owner knew? just one what is the one thing more than one but i want one because i know that's going to be the top one okay so i think the one thing that i would love anyone to know getting a dog is that you're getting an animal i i think in this one moment that i have to just kind of think about what that would be yeah. that that's what it is i i think that there's too much of this fur baby nonsense. There's too much of this like, oh, it's my kid. And, and, and I, I get all that, but it's like, before it's any of these things, <laughs> you're, inviting an, you're inviting a predator into your house, right. share time with your family, your children, your, you know, other animals in the house potentially. And I just wish people would really understand what they're taking on, the breed that chosen to take on um, the expectations that they have for their dogs and the expectations of that they should have for themselves as far as teaching this dog and guiding this dog and, and getting it into a good space. I mean, it's, it's work. You don't just get a dog like, and it just works. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's something, there's, there's stuff involved, especially when you get a puppy for, for I think the key Able. thing, I love, I love your answer, really, even though it sounds like, oh, it's an animal. Duh, we know it's an animal. But like, I think the key thing that you said is like, you're inviting a predator into your house. Yeah. And it might be like a curly, fluffy-haired doodle, but it's a predator. Like, doodle's just the first one that always comes to my mind. Oh, with that. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I'm like, I can show you the one that like killed a squirrel in my yard the other day. Yeah. Like, it's open their mouth and look at their teeth. And it's the same. It looks like a wolf's mouth. Like, it's, it's a predator. And yeah. it will... It will kill, it will attack, it will rip apart, and it will eat anything that it sees as prey, unless you teach it otherwise. It's that yeah. simple. Well, and I get the thing is that you just mentioned wolves, and from all of my work with wolves, and I'm probably sure anyone else that has work with them too, like they they are not dogs. And in fact, they're more stable. Yeah. Dogs. Like I, I see wolves do in a pack, and not even like a familial pack, just a pack put together. I'm like, oh, oh my God, if those were like five or six dogs right now, they would be like fighting, you know? Like they are just, they're so much more in control of stuff than our dogs are. Like our dogs are just hot messes of wolves, you know? Right. The, the, the thing like about that, that I, that I, I like, and I've, I've never worked with dogs, but I, I mean with wolves, I've never been around wolves, I would love to. But one of the, the key things that I've noticed in a different angle of that is like, our dogs, the dogs that we've had living with humans are the ones that are ruined for lack of yeah. better term. Right. I've, yeah, I, yeah. I was in Ukraine and there are street dogs and forest dogs where they, they just live. Right. And they exist around people, but they're not people's dogs and they live in packs. It's very obvious which crew is like there's crews in each corner. Each block has a crew. 
And those dogs, I hung out with them for a lot, for a long time. Like I left the people. I was like, I'm going to find these dogs. And, <laughs> and they're cool. Like they are stable. They are relaxed. It's like somebody taught them place because they all just lay there and chill with each other. And like, they're not hyperactive. They're not jumping all over each other. There's like the only play that I saw was between two young puppies and like the adults just chilling with each other, very relaxed. When they walk, they're walking calmly with each other. They're not walking with their tails up like this, the way everybody wants their dog to walk. They're walking with their dogs, their tails nice and stable and relaxed. And everything about them is completely different than what we envision as a happy, good dog. Yeah. These are dogs that the rescue world would love to go pick them up off the street, but I don't know that they need rescuing because they all seem so stable and and content with their life just being dogs. And I think that even though like we love dogs, I'll have dogs my whole life, we all will. There's a certain extent of like the way we've had them with humans that's not allowed them to be themselves a lot of times. Absolutely. And that's exactly where the problem is, you know? It's like you're you're standing in the way of what nature kind of intended for these creatures and and dogs are I mean I, I, that's the cool part though is like being able to have a like a symbiotic relationship with them where it works <laughs> both ends and like right. it's a meaningful relationship to both parties and not just kind of like a dictatorship um on either of them, because dogs somehow right. like they're dictators too yeah like I mean yeah. I yeah, I was down in Costa Rica and seeing all these dogs on the beaches just, you know, and I know, and I know, I know a lot of these dogs are in a bad way and stuff like that, but scooping them off of these beaches and bringing them to the United States and sticking them into homes, it's not the right thing to do. Right. And I, it's, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure what the success rate is of all that, but I'm like, just leave them here. Like they, they're on the beach. Like they're on, like they're with their friends. Like These dogs are content. They are. They're happy. And there was, I hung out with them a lot. Like I went, I drove off to like, like the forest area over there. And like, I just found a group of them and I just chilled at a distance and just watched them for a while. And there was so much to learn from that of like dogs, how they really interact with each other. Not like how people think they're supposed to be at dog parks, but how they really are with each other. There's so much we could learn from that. Like just the fact of how they chill with each other. It's so nice and relaxed and they all are in each other's space, but giving each other space. Right. And it's like, how often do we as humans get all over our dogs and not give them any space and then wonder why they're going nuts and like ripping apart our house. It's like, they just want to chill a little bit. They just want to relax. And like, obviously we need to do other things and like stimulate them as well. But so much of what they want to do is really just chill. That's why we see like, when we finally get dogs that have never lived in that state to finally relax, it's almost like they're like, oh, it's like they like breathe a sigh of relief almost, right? Every dog that comes to my program, I always say they like just they just go home with this different look on their faces, like yes. like like, whew. like they just like left a yoga retreat or something. Yeah, <laughs> if you take a picture of a dog, Pfizer, a little. I should I should start doing that. Like, afters, yeah. After. Um, pictures. I was just saying this to somebody, this exact idea that you were saying, it's not even like, like, okay, before and after videos are awesome. But if you look carefully at a dog's face, when they're in that crazy state, yeah. and then when you finally taught them how to relax, they look like different dogs, their facial features change. They, they do. It's crazy. It's well, really awesome. I think it's, it's, they just look like wiser. I want to say like, yeah. they 
like, oh, right. Okay, I got this. It's content. Yeah, and that's what I felt when I hung out with these dogs in Ukraine. It's like there's a there was like a, a energy of content in the air just being around them. It was very cool. Very cool. All right. So it's been about an hour. So let's let's close up. I want how can people contact you if they wanted to work with you, if they wanted to see your content? Guys, just one thing before we close. For those of you who are struggling with grooming stuff right now, I highly recommend following Sabrina's page because she's been putting up some content recently. All of your content is awesome, but right now I highly appreciate the content you've been putting out because there's so many people who are struggling with this at-home grooming thing. So I highly recommend checking those videos out specifically and check out, she's doing a lot of training with Tallulah now. So it's like you can learn e-collar training with her videos, but the grooming stuff is something that I know so many people are struggling with right now. So check it out. And how can, how can people get in contact with you, find your page, Instagram, where are you? Uh, so yeah, Facebook and Instagram, good dogma, um, at good dogma training, I think for Facebook. What did you put in? Is that what you put in? <laughs> I think it's good dogma training. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you know. <laughs> and then, um, Instagram is good, uh, good underscore dogma. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can email me through my website and that is gooddogmatraining.com. Awesome. And for anybody who wants to follow, we'll post up all the links. I'll post up the links once this is up. All right, guys. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Love you all. Stay safe. Stay happy. Be kind to one another. And be gentle to yourselves. Good night. Bye.